the third episode of My 99 Cousins. With me is John Paul Anderson, cousin number 58, and one of my good friends. Welcome, JP. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you here, Devin. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm at his house, surrounded by his loving dogs, his enormous aquarium, uh, of which he's pretty proud of. He's got some cool fish, even a frog. Yeah, yeah, those are, uh, those are my pride and joy. Um, oh, and my kids, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll go into that a little bit. Um, JP, you're actually my first cousin interview. So my first interview was my wife interviewing me. And then my second interview was my brother, Tyler. So he kind of counts, you know, he's part of the family, but he's he's still a cousin. cousin. Yeah. And it looks like you have your daughter joining us. Chloe, you want to say hello? Hello. (laughs) Hi, Chloe. (laughs) How old are you, Chloe? I'm three. You're three? Yeah. You are so adorable. She likes big kisses, huh? Do you like kisses? You yeah. were sleeping? Yeah. I like sleeping. You like sleeping? <laughs> I like too. sleeping too, yeah. Saturdays are my favorite because I get to sleep sometimes. <laughs> Did you have a good nap? I have a good nap. Oh, good. Yeah, Can I have a hug? Oh, oh, I love you. My diaper's gone, Daddy. Your diaper's gone? Okay, well, you better go find it. <laughs> um, so, JP, yeah, as my very first cousin interview, I guess... You know, I feel kind of like uh, Ash Ketchum with a Pokemon trainer. Oh, I Pikachu. <laughs> you get, you are my first Pokemon. You want a diaper? Yeah, All right, so Chloe's joining us. Can you say hello? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you like, Chloe? I like, I like, I like and and milk. You like blankets and milk? Yeah. Oh, that those, sounds like a pretty good deal. That sounds awesome. I like those things, too. I like, I like seeing Sally Elsa. Oh, you like oh, to sing that song, sing. Elsa song. From uh, Frozen? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. Huh? Frozen skipped mm. You like the Frozen characters, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Frozen character? I like Elsa. Like Elsa. Elsa. Yeah. Elsa likes it. Yeah, Elsa has Elsa has cool powers. She can freeze things. You got an Elsa shirt. Yeah, she uses ice powers, huh? Yeah, I make ice. <laughs> All right, well here's Roxy. Take take little clothes. All right, back back to the our regular scheduled program. So for our listeners who aren't part of this family, all you know, all two of you. <laughs> I'm going to explain a little bit about our family once again. JP is from the eldest sibling of the Anderson family. That's right. Um, so how many people are in your uh, family? How many siblings do you have? So I have seven brothers um, initially, and then my father remarried, and she has 11 children. So uh, I guess 19 total. That's I'm crazy. Adding those integers up correctly. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the seventh son, so I'm either really lucky or really cursed. Yeah, there's uh, there's, I think there's a book out there that I remember reading about the seventh son of yeah. a seventh son. Luckily, yeah. your dad is the first son. Yeah, yeah. So. I tried to have seven sons, but I had a girl first, so I, <laughs> I've ruined it. You don't want to keep trying for seven kids. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, 
think I, I think it has to be seven, seven, seven boys. in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got the first half, but next time. <laughs> yep. So uh, what was it like growing up with all brothers? Were your parents disappointed that they didn't have any girls? Was that? Uh, the well, the story is, is my mom really wanted a girl, so that's why they kept going. <laughs> so um, it wasn't peer pressure from God the rest a, of the family having. Uh, having a million kids. kids. Yeah. Uh, might, maybe a little bit of that, but uh, no, yeah, my mom really wanted a girl. So mm. uh, I tried to be as feminine as possible <laughs> to help her out, but uh, I, I guess I couldn't pull it off. You have like the deepest voice of, well, some of your brothers also have incredibly deep voices. Yeah. Like Ben it's, has an Adam's apple the size of Mount Everest. That's what it is. Yeah, you got <laughs> you to gotta get that uh, large bone in. For the acoustics. <laughs> your family, um, so your dad is the oldest of all the 12 kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's 11, 11 that survived infancy. There was one child uh, that passed away. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there were 12 children that were born, and then 11 kids uh, survived. And of those 11, your dad was the oldest. Mm. So uh, doing a little teaching uh, about our yeah, ancestors and I didn't and know that. He, uh, he died in infancy, not, yeah. not a miscarriage. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm pr- well, I'm not positive about that. It might have been a miscarriage, but uh, I think her name was Anne. She was uh, really? born between um, either my dad and Aunt Elaine, or uh, somewhere somewhere around there. Hmm. Anyway. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And in our family, there's yeah 104 or 105 grandkids. And of those, only two have passed away, and both of them passed away as infants. So that's pretty remarkable that all of our cousins are still alive other than those two that have yeah. passed away. Yeah. Knock on wood. Knock on wood, yeah. Nobody, nobody's allowed to die, at least until I finish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better go for podcast. some of the more uh, daring cousins first. Yeah, got to go meet with the Karchners, yeah. the Kamikaze yeah. Karchners. Yeah, they're... Uh, uh, but they seem to be bulletproof, so maybe uh, <laughs> maybe us Andersons, maybe the safe ones. <laughs> so so your dad being the oldest, then there's so there's three boys in a row. It goes um, VJ, your dad, Berlin Jr. or uh, Hans. What does your dad go by now? Does he go by VJ still or? Um, I think most people call him VJ, yeah, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and or or, or Hans. Um, some people call him Hans. When he was running running for mayor, he had the sign that said "Join Hans Forum." Oh, the two hands coming together. That's yeah. clever. Of a, of a pun there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think mostly VJ and Hans. Mm. Yeah. And then after him, there's Uncle Glenn, or I think he goes by Lee now. Uncle Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes by Lee. And then there's uh, there was Uncle Dale, and Uncle Dale has since passed on. Mm-hmm. And then I think there were six girls in a row. Uh, wow. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm going to try and do my best to name the order of all of the, the siblings. We have, oh. I think it's LaDon first, and then Lynette, and then Shirley? I don't know. I don't know the order after that, to be honest. Uh, You're doing better than I would have, though. Kathy, Karen, there's Kathy, Karen, Shirley, uh, and then I think Anne was born, and then Auntie Lane, and then my dad, and then 
Uncle Dean. Uncle Dean. I know. I knew Uncle Dean's the youngest, and then so, your dad was the second youngest, right? Uh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm sorry for all the aunts and uncles for getting that order wrong. <laughs> I think the uh, you get you get mad points for the attempt, though. <laughs> I don't think most people would have even tried. All right. In front of me, I have a breakdown of all the families. So your dad, uh, there's the eight kids, plus then there's his stepchildren. Mm-hmm. But that we don't even. Maybe this sounds terrible. We don't count them as in the 104 uh, grandkids total. Right. If we did, that'd be an extra 11. Yeah. So that'd be like 115. Yeah, you'd have your work cut out for you if we're throwing in any kind of... Uh, step-siblings. Step-siblings at all, yeah. Yeah, because we don't... I, I'm not counting my step-siblings in this list either. I have three step-siblings. So there's eight kids in your family, seven in Glenn's family, then eight in... Dale's family, 11 in Ladon's family. I want you to 15. <laughs> I want you to say these in the in the biblical format. It's like and, begot, and, hence, and they, hence begat hence hence begat and then hence begat hats and <laughs> you have to that say would that take like 12 forever. times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Then our aunt Karen had 15 kids. Then aunt Lynette had 14 kids. Then aunt Kathy had 9 kids. Aunt Shirley had six kids. Auntie Lane had 13 kids. Then my family had six kids. My dad had six kids. And then Uncle Dean's family had eight kids. That's some good stock right there. Wow, that's a, that's a big family. Yeah. yeah. But uh, moving on back to you, I, I kind of wanted to just give a context because a, a lot of people have been asking me, you know, give a breakdown of... You know, how is your family so big? Well, all mm. my aunts and uncles just had a crazy amount of kids. Yeah. And uh, I feel like my family, we we're kind of the black sheep of the family. My, uh, you know, we only had uh, six kids. So oh, five. yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, with my father passing away mm-hmm. uh, at, an, at a young age, we kind of, I don't know, we felt like everybody... Maybe didn't they didn't look down on us, but they were like, "Oh, that's that's the poor." Like you got to bump those numbers up. <laughs> poor fatherless <laughs> family. Rookie numbers. <laughs> no, I don't think uh, that was ever a topic of discussion. Uh, maybe internally, I judged you, like, <laughs> but I think I'm the exception. No, I know, that, and I'm saying all of this honestly, facetiously. I know, <laughs> I know that nobody in our family What's was looking down upon us because we weren't having like, more kids. Do you, but do you know how to do it properly? <laughs> but uh, I know that um, my mom, uh, I think she might have felt some pressure to try and have oh, more children. To keep up. Yeah, maybe. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. When everybody's gotten, got like 10 kids, <laughs> you've got half that. And under normal circumstances, they think that's, that's plenty. But Anderson's there. They're fertile bunch <laughs> yeah. grandma she would often joke not even joke she was serious she would talk about she's like yeah i was very fertile <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's an awkward conversation grandma uh thanks thanks for that but tell us a little bit about yourself jp tell us about uh your wife and your kids and and your work a little bit oh yeah um so i'm married to my lovely wife roxy um we have two children I have a three-year-old named Chloe, and she came on at the beginning of the podcast, and uh, I have my son, Leo. He's one. He's uh, extremely large, (laughs) 
and in charge. 99th percentile. 99.999 percentile. Yeah, I, I need to find the person who, fa- who made a bigger baby than I did. <laughs> I, I would like to see he, that. He is pretty huge. Yeah. Now, on the opposite end, my son, when he was born, he was in the like 0.01, 0.01 percentile. So we got the full, <laughs> the full uh, gamut. The full wavelength there. Yeah. yeah. I met my wife when I was in Texas doing my PhD. And uh, we moved here for my job. Uh, doing a startup with a friend of mine. Uh, it's called Phi uh, Health Sciences. And basically, we're doing an app uh, as well as a nutritional supplement combined. And th- what the app is, is it's uh, basically you can upload all your health information and then we've got it powered with AI and it can scan your health information. And whenever you have questions about it, you can about your health, you can consult with it. So uh, as an example, uh, I've been using it to track my daughter's health. She's had a lot of uh, upper respiratory infections lately. And I scheduled a, a virtual appointment for her. And I, I asked Phi, the app, it's like, hey, can you give me a brief summary of what we've been talking about? Because you know, with telehealth, you mm. have to go in and what yeah. are your daughter's symptoms? And yeah, basically gave a nice succinct summary of all her health conditions so i could just copy and paste that in there and then um my my co-founder he had a similar experience where he went to the emergency room and he was panicking because his son had all these all these uh health health things going on and uh he was able to do the same thing he's Mm -hmm. like oh this is his health report this is you know how long he's been sick all these things and so uh yeah we're excited for it uh we're planning on launching in about a month and we're going to be yeah, I checked expanding out expanding further and further. I checked out the website. It's p h i. Yeah, phi dot health. Phi dot health. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, the the website probably also in a month will be up, and then we've got a uh, uh, thing I, I designed. I designed the the supplement formula, but basically, it's it's designed for maximum bioavailability. Mm. So, for example, if you take calcium and magnesium at the same time, you actually get 50% less absorption. Um, but if you separate it by time release, or if you take it separately, then it, ha- then you actually get, you know, almost double the absorption. Mm. And so, um, with this, every, everything that's in there, whether it's iron, magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin D, everything is paired so that when you take it, you don't just pee it out. So, and there are these tiny beads. Um, so they're all coated so that when they hit your small intestine, they, uh, they release there. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the idea is we just, we just got a second round of funding where we're going to be able to customize it. So we're building a machine where based on what the Phi app tells you mm. you're deficient in and what, what tests that we'll oh, provide. So it curates. Yeah. To so what it'll your be, needs are. it'll be customized. That's really cool. So, and then it just gets shipped to you eventually, yeah, and then, like a monthly and then do you subscri- subscription thing. Do you take it just like you would a pill, like a medication in the morning with food type of thing? Yeah, we have a morning and a night formula. Mm. Um, the night formula is pretty cool. We put um, this uh, sustained release magnesium in there, and uh, it uh, basically kind of does a, a slow drip. Mm. And we, everybody that's taken it says they they have much deeper sleep and much more vivid dreams. Oh, cool! So we're already. I'm uh, all about more vivid dreams. Yeah, no, I I hadn't really dreamt in probably a couple years, at least a deep dream, deep dream. And uh, with this, yeah, I started dreaming again. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. 
can you curate the dreams specifically? Like, what kind of magnesium can you add? <laughs> like, I want to be able to fly in all my L, dreams. L3 and A. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting you should ask that. Uh-huh. Part of what I want to do with the app that um, uh, inspired me uh, to do this was uh, one night I was I was dreaming, mm. and I was at a jazz game. Ooh, fun. And Andre Karolinko walked up to me. <laughs> of course he did. And he started singing classical music, like, really loud right at my face. Okay. And I was like, what is going on here? And uh, I had fallen asleep with classical music on. Oh. So the idea is is the, the, the app is we're actually partnering with, uh, we're planning on partnering with Aura Ring, we have some connections with them. How do you spell uh, that? Uh, O-U-R-A. Okay. O-R-A. And uh, it tracks your sleep. But basically, we want it to play music or play a story or something like that right when you slip into REM sleep. Mm. And then it can kind of manipulate your dreams. Oh. So if you want it to like play something interesting or... Or if you want to like be a superhero like me, oh yeah, then it could uh, manipulate that. That's that's going to be a little bit down the road, but um, for now, yeah, it's like a it's like a health consultant app, and you can upload all your medical information, and then we have tabs for your kids too, mm. so it doesn't like corrupt it with oh, conflicting yeah, yeah. medical information. Okay, so yeah, no things are going well. We've got we've got a little bit of funding going, and that's really cool. Yeah. What does Phi stand for again? Phi. What is it? So uh, it's it's a it's a Greek letter. Um, oh, it's actually okay. for the the Fibonacci sequence or the golden ratio. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, it's like if you look at seashells or like the semicircular yeah. canal in your head, you know that kind of that spiral the sequence. Yeah, yeah, it's one, two, three, five, eight. Yeah, 13, yeah. It's kind of like uh, what the what the what the universe is kind of resonating at. Mm. And so we're kind of trying to lock into that and get the universe to help us out. Mm. So rather than have it Greek symbol phi dot health, that's a little difficult for people to find. <laughs> no, just, uh, just PHI. Yes. Yeah. Well, very cool. I'm excited to, to actually try that myself. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Do you, yeah. um, are there tests and stuff that you'll have to also take to try and figure out exactly what you're deficient in or does mm-hmm. it just rely on people to, yes. to fill out like a form? To, we're, a um, we're partnering with a group up in Draper actually that, um, is going to do a bunch of white label tests for us. They have some cool saliva tests that uh, you can take so you don't have to draw blood. Mm. And they just ship them to you, and you just spit into the tube, send it back. And, uh, and that's then they'll actually clone you. Is what and it then, is. Yeah. And then we'll uh, clone you, replace you <laughs> with someone even better. Yeah, I don't and, like uh, the way this is going. Wait, so, sorry. Like... I wasn't supposed to talk about that part. <laughs> that was a joke, everyone. Uh, please, uh, investors. Uh, that was uh, a joke. We need to edit that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's... We can go back to uh, talking about um, like your PhD and stuff like that in a little bit um, because I, I have a lot of questions about that. Sure. I, I know that you've also, you're interested in artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe how that can also uh, work with it. Uh-huh. So yeah. let's, let's circle back to that again uh, later. Okay. Um, for this next segment, uh, I'm going to ask some more questions about family memories that you might have. Great. Uh, memories that you might have about your parents or uh, if you have any memories of grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. and then memories of cousins mm-hmm. uh, just in general what what kind of memories do you have that are just treasured stored up either <laughs> whether they be happy ones or just traumatic ones? <laughs> well 
this is a good opportunity for me to air some grievances oh. with the cousins. <laughs> no, no, it, they're all, I don't remember any, any bad memories. Um, this isn't going to be a Festivus episode. <laughs> where we're... I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll keep it, uh, I'll keep those to myself. Okay. But, um, no, I remember one time there was a, a family reunion and uh, we had rented out a church, I believe. Or, yeah. Or uh-huh. Yeah, you remember that one? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you were there for this. I, 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 the only person I remember who was there was Paul Karchner. Hmm. And uh, we were driving around in a truck and there was a bunch of um, teenagers on the side of the road and they were like waving at cars and just having a good time. Not relatives of ours? Not relatives. That we know I mean, of prob- probably in some way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, not relatives that we know of. And um, we're like, hey, let's go fill up some water balloons mm. and go throw them at these people. <laughs> so we are not we, doing our family. Uh, <laughs> we rounded up a posse and threw them in the back of the truck and we drove by. And you mess with the Andersons, <laughs> you mess with the family. <laughs> and uh, no, we water ballooned them. Yeah, no we way. got them good. Yeah. And uh, it was in the middle of the day, and it was hot. So, I, I mean, it was definitely not a good thing to do. But um, anyway, the Anderson boys here's, here's where we got greedy. We decided to go back and hit them again. Oh. But they were waiting for us. For, no way. Yeah, I guess maybe this is something that happens a lot. <laughs> get, these kids get water balloon. But, um, no, they were waiting for us, and there was like three or four of them waiting in their trucks. No way. And they had like Please buckets of water. Oh, okay. And, um, Please tell me it wasn't like paintball guns. Or no, no. I mean, it definitely could have been. But uh, yeah, there was. I, I think it might have been Nate, Nate Andel in, in the back. But uh, he got pretty soaked. And then yeah, they got in their trucks and they chased us through the town. No way. It was super scary. And uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul was like, "What do we do? What do we do?" And I'm like, "We got to go to a police station. <laughs> these, 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 these country folk are gonna murder us." And um, eventually we drove into, there was some county. Start hearing, start hearing dueling banjos. <laughs> <laughs> like it's delivered. Yeah, straight stuff. out of deliverance, yeah. Oh, it, I was legitimately terrified. And we would have deserved, you know, a, a good beating or something. But uh, there it happened to be a county fair yeah. that was going on at the same time. Thank goodness. And we Blended drove in there. In. Yeah, and we lost them in the crowd. And then we drove off. Oh. But um yeah, that was that was intense. That was that was Pulled one of my most vivid memories. A, you know, change hats <laughs> like they're not gonna find us. Flip flip the coat inside <laughs> out. Oh yeah, I was I was legitimately terrified. I think I was like 13, 14, yeah. something yeah. like that. But where uh, was that? Where was that church at? Was it like in Heber or something? I think uh, yeah, it was. I I think it might have been Southern Utah. I, mm. I, am not, a, I'm not 100% sure, but mm. it was some, it was a country town. We need to look that up. And then, yeah, afterwards we looked at a bunch of grave sites for like three days or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I Let's didn't go have look to, at the tombstones. <laughs> I have no idea who this is, but, uh, no, I, I appreciate that a lot more now. And I'm glad our, 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 our forebearers, um, keep that alive. Cause it's important to remember where you come from. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, I, um, yeah, I talked to my brother Tyler and lots of other cousins in kind of preparation for these interviews. A lot of us have said the same thing that as adults, you know, we appreciate more of what our aunts and uncles yeah, tried to do for, for, sure. uh, for all those reunions. And, you know, we didn't appreciate it you know, no. all the time. We just wanted to hang out with our cousins and, right. and go throw water balloons <laughs> at, the, at the locals. Cause mischief, yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I am, and I think we're both sincerely grateful for those efforts. That oh, were put into. 100%. Yeah, Grandpa was a genius, like putting that farm together and having all the cousins live together. Because when you're growing up, you don't you don't really realize how awesome yeah. that can be when you have yeah. family and cousins. And So a little, a little backstory about that for people who don't realize. So our, um, our grandpa and grandma Anderson, they purchased, there's like a whole crazy story about how they like traded houses, traded land with somebody else who didn't want to live in the Orem area. Just there was so much land that they didn't enjoy, um, I guess, having to tend to take care of all that land. So I think they traded houses with somebody else. This is a story from Aunt LaDonna. I hadn't to, heard this one, I'll but to, I believe it. Yeah. I'll have to interview her, and she can tell the true story because I'm, I'm not doing it justice. So once all of our, you know, our grandparents, they moved there with a lot of their kids, and that's where they raised their kids pretty much um, the rest of the time. was uh, this, this would have been in the mid-1960s when this happened. And so they, they owned several acres of, of land in Orem, close to like the University Mall. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they dedicated some of that land to uh, the, our aunts and uncles, so their children. And a lot of the aunts and uncles, they, they raised their own kids in that area. And VJ's uh, family yep. uh, was one of those families. So... It's just kind of there's a park in the middle. I don't want to go into into that whole thing. Yeah, but, yeah. But there's like a family park in the middle, and it's surrounded by homes. And a lot of those homes are where our current aunts and uncles yeah. actually live. Oh yeah, it's 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 paradise. Yeah, Grandpa Anderson was really smart about that because you, you don't really care about it as much when you're young. But as you get older and you have friendships and kids and stuff like that, you really start to realize families by far the most important thing mm. and so yeah him having the foresight to just buy that huge chunk of land and say hey i'll i'll give you this land if you build here mm-hmm. um was very very smart and i think it's it's one of the reasons why we're 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 close and why um because when you're around you know it's like that movie in Kanto where, you know, they've got these, these magical gifts or whatever, mm, when, yeah. you've, when you've got all these people together sharing ideas and having fun together, you can really, you can really make some, make some great memories and make some great people. Mm. So, Do you have any other memories that, that really come to mind of, of cousins or family members? Um, I just remember that we were always, we were always playing night games mm. um, and that was always fun. We'd always play capture the flag and, Smear the queer, and <laughs> I guess I probably should I mean, change, the, na- that change the name of that game. But um, smear the, <laughs> what else <laughs> rhymes with smear? Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was just a great place to grow up, and it was I'm yeah super grateful for for Grandpa and Grandma for 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 really having the foresight to put all, put that all together. Mm. So my family, um, my father and my mom, uh, they raised us kids in Houston, Texas. Mm. And uh, I lived there until I was 10. And that's when my father passed away from mm-hmm. cancer. And so my, my mom, she wanted us to live close to her family and close to my dad's siblings. So, so we moved to Orem. But uh, we didn't move right by the farm, as we call it, quote, mm-hmm. unquote, the farm. Mm-hmm. 
but we lived close enough that we could visit yep. uh, quite often. And so I have uh, great I memories yeah. and coming to hang out with you guys and the Andalins and the, and the Jacobs. Um, just tons of fun memories. I, I remember... Um, if you're not a part of our family, eventually you'll probably join our family somehow. <laughs> uh, we're like the Borg in that way. We just mm-hmm. assimilate everybody into our family. You'll, yeah. you'll get married into our family or your kids will get married into our family or yeah. something. And one example of that is one of your good friends, Robert, Yeah. who you guys got into so much trouble like all the time, I feel like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Around Robert, you turned into even a more sarcastic version <laughs> of yourself, which was hard for me to believe but yeah. do you have any fun memories of Robert Oh yeah it was it was me Robert and Darren and uh yeah we uh we'd go out and um we'd we'd keep the neighbors on their toes yeah. <laughs> You're welcome <laughs> I blame my older brother uh if Gabe if you're listening to this this is all your fault you <laughs> I learned it from watching you No we didn't do anything too bad but uh, yeah, we. Uh, you didn't light any houses on fire. No, or? but uh, well, we almost lit my dad's house on fire. No a way. Couple times. Well, we would. Uh, I I had a bit of a infatuation with uh, gasoline. Oh yeah. So I would uh, I would light that on fire, and then one time it lit the gas can on fire. No way. And Did we didn't know what explosion? to do. No, surprisingly, no. It, it was uh, just it was just shooting fire, shooting out. fire out of it. Wow. And so. Um, Dave McCartney, I don't know if you know him. He was one of my friends growing up. He mm. went up and hit it with a golf club. No way. And it shot fire everywhere. <laughs> that was really dumb. But um How old were you? I think I was like 15. <laughs> okay. 16. I was picturing like a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I have no sympathy for uh, you we, at that age. The only the only place we played with fire was near my dad's house, but um <laughs> we we never No, it was it was mostly just gentle toilet papering but uh no we had endless ammunition because we uh we would do food pickups Mm. and uh, a little bit of dumpster diving as well but uh so we would actually pick up food that was expiring and bring it to like homeless shelters and stuff like that oh okay einstein bagels and things like that and um it was it was a ton right it was actually too much wow and because it was expiring, you know, you could only use it the next day. So we were allowed to keep some of it. But, um, yeah, so I ate a lot of expired food growing up, but it was also used for ammunition. And I was actually... What kind of ammunition? <laughs> well, Robert ended up having getting a curfew for all of his uh, bad behavior. And so that all of it started getting me. directed towards him. Yeah, so we'd yeah, leave, yeah. like, old pies and things on his front porch or under his front porch. <laughs> Um, and Robert later ended up met, marrying your stepsister. Yeah, right? married Tana. Yeah, yeah. They live they live in Orem, pretty close to my dad. So he might be somebody that, even though they're not technically part of the 104 grandkids, mm-hmm. they're still part of the Anderson family. And I, mm-hmm. I just remember Robert mercilessly making fun of me whenever <laughs> I would come and visit you guys. I'm like, this guy's not very nice. <laughs> this guy's not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we... Uh, but he would be somebody I'd want to interview, I think. Yeah, no, he's a funny guy. Yeah, we uh, we got into this habit where we would fake ask different guys to dances. <laughs> no so, way. you know, the, uh, you know, the no tradition way. in Utah where, uh, you know, you do this elaborate... 
yeah, thing like for, where for junior proms. Yeah, like yeah. The, so well, there's there's different level of dances, right? So the like more elaborate ones usually call for a more elaborate yeah. uh, ask, and then like you know there's. Uh, Sometimes girls will ask boys in, in elaborate ways, but usually it's for like the big junior prom, senior ball type dances mm-hmm. where the girls who are get, getting asked are usually asked in very elaborate yeah, ways. Yeah, way but, over the top. But there are sometimes where girls will ask guys in a similar way. And, and oh, yeah. you guys trick Yeah, like guys. Sadie Hawkins and things like yeah. that are where the girls have to ask. But uh, no, we, we got Nate once, Nate Andalin. No way. We got a... Oh, I'm so excited to hear We this got... Story. Wow. It's, this it's, is <laughs> why I do this podcast is for stories like this. Oh, yeah. So, like I said, we had a bunch of ammunition with all this old old expired food. Uh-huh. So I had this big jar of these really smelly peppers. And we ended up... Uh, so you know how you usually do, like, uh, you, you cut out letters and they have to rearrange yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh-huh. Um, so we got this big jar of these, these smelly peppers. And uh, we wrote out different letters. And it, <laughs> it spelled out, uh, your horse. Like... <laughs> <laughs> what? So like, the, 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 like his horse was asking him to the to the dance. Oh <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, well, they had a couple of horses. Was there a specific yeah, yeah, horse uh, that that uh, Nate would have played uh, your yeah, horse? Yeah, we uh, we were we definitely had so way too mean. much free time and uh, too much. Too much old food. <laughs> it was not good for the Eighth Ward. <laughs> um, I remember coming to your house a bunch during reunions around the park to escape, <laughs> to escape, uh, you know, service projects, stuff like that. Um, we'd go to your your house and play board games or video games or. I, I remember playing like a lot of War uh, Warcraft two and three. Yeah. At your house, and then one of my earliest uh, one of my earliest memories of your older siblings is I'm trying to remember who it was. It might've been Josh or Joseph, but, uh, uh, I went to your home. I was probably only like six or seven. And I think it was the first time I ever watched, uh, someone play, uh, Nintendo, um, uh, an RPG, uh, video game. Oh, uh, they were playing the dragon warrior. It was dragon warrior. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, uh and I remember like, what is this game? This is so cool. But Dragon Warrior wasn't really popular in the United States. It was super popular in Japan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's kind of where the a, a lot of tropes of role-playing games, uh, Japanese role-playing games, come from, like the slime character. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know that the slime characters are probably also in like Dungeons and Dragons that came out before that. Yeah. But the quintessential what you're thinking of in a slime bad guy character comes from that game. Yeah, yeah. And like stumbling upon something like with Pokemon, uh, Pokemon, uh, the, the different Game Boy games where mm-hmm. you'd be walking and then it would just pop out at you. Yeah. I yeah. think that came from Dragon Warrior. Yeah. Because you, you'd be wandering and you wouldn't see it and then mm. it would just show up and it's like a wild whatever appears. Yeah. And you have to do battle with it and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that game was way ahead of its time, and and I think you're right because I've never really heard of it. No. In popular culture. So I wanted to ask, maybe I mean I'm gonna get around this to this when I eventually you know interview your brothers because that actually had a, a big impact on me as a little kid, and I later loved video games like Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy series, and 
grew more interested in Japanese in Japan. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of out of that. And that was like my first instance of being exposed to a Japanese type video game. But uh, I later served my mission in Japan. And oh, it was you, all from you, those games. Yeah. I, yeah. You served your mission in Japan, too. I served too. in Japan, too. Yeah, yeah. Love of uh, the culture and the video games and everything like that. That definitely led me to uh, to there. Yeah, I, I put on my mission papers that I was I was studying Japanese. Yeah. I think I... Uh, Got a little hack? Tipped the odds a little bit <laughs> in my favor, yeah. Are you glad that you served your mission in Japan? Was that a good experience for oh, you? Oh, that was an amazing experience, yeah. So uh, your brother Gabe, he, he actually reached out to me and he made a suggestion. Uh, and he said, you know, this podcast could get bigger and people who aren't in our family could actually listen to it. Mm. So a lot of people, um, maybe who aren't members, mm -hmm. uh, they might have questions. And one of their questions might be, what is this mission? What are oh, you talking yeah. about? So um, our family, the vast majority of us are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And not all of us are you know, active members, mm -hmm. but um, I looked up the numbers there uh, of all the young men who um, grew up in our family, only two didn't serve missions. No way. Yeah. Um, Grandpa, man. That's that's an influence of a powerful man. That's pretty crazy. You never doubt the impact of one, one, one man. Um, but a mission, what that basically is, is a young man or young woman will go in and uh, serve a one-and-a-half-year or two-year mission somewhere in the world to share a message about Jesus Christ and about our church. And that's kind of what we both did. We both served in Japan mm -hmm. for about two years. Where did you serve again? Uh, it was the Sendai mission. So you were part of the Frozen Chosen then? Yeah, yeah. Not not as far north as the as Sapporo, Sapporo Yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, obviously misinformation gets spread a lot because when you're a missionary, at least back in the day, you couldn't look at the internet. But yeah. um, the, uh, the rumor was is we got more snow than anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And is I, that true? I, I, I haven't bothered to look it up, but I would believe it. Yeah, there would be there huge, would be snow piled up so high snow. it would it would reach up to streetlights. Yeah, like twenty feet yeah, high almost. Unbelievable. Right? And, and they'd have to carve out sections of this road and you'd be in a bus and you just a mountain a yeah, wall of snow. Wall of on snow on each so, side. On the other side, right? And uh, yeah, they had these sprinklers that were put in um, that would pump river water into the sidewalks mm. and that would melt all the snow, but it would just melt the snow in kind of like a, a box. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was literally like you're in a labyrinth when you're walking down the street. And uh, I went to a museum there and apparently it's been that way for a long time. And what the what people would do before, uh, before modern civilization is they would have two houses. They would have a house on the bottom no for the way. summer, and then when the winter came, they had They'd a live a on winter the top. House. Yeah. No way. Yeah, so it's like a two or three story house. Yeah, then, to live yeah, in. yeah. They um, how innovative. They, there'd be times where people couldn't go to work because their houses were completely buried in snow. That's crazy. Unreal, and it would it would just come down and down and down and. Yeah, we'd we'd go out biking in it, <laughs> and uh, I had this Samoan companion and. Uh, obviously he, he hadn't been used to snow and, uh, yeah, he was just falling over everywhere and, uh, he ended up getting up and he was like punching the snow. He's <laughs> 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 like, I hate this. Why is there so much snow? He, you know, he, he was a great guy, but I don't blame him. Yeah. We, we just come home just completely drenched because yeah, those sprinklers would just be going because otherwise you, no one could live there because they had to get rid of the snow somehow and so there'd just be these like rivers of 
of river water that was clearing out all the snow everywhere you went. When the snow melted in the spring, where did all that water go? Just go back into the ocean or do they have giant lakes? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I guess they just they just pump it all into the rivers. And yeah, I mean, you know, every every town in Japan has those spill, spillways yeah, yeah, yeah. that dump all the water and everything. So I, I, I'm not sure where it went, but um, yeah, there was, yeah. And people would die too. It was pretty sad. People would like fall off. So people would get on their roofs. Yeah. And, you know, the population of Japan is pretty elderly. Yeah. So you have these 80-year-olds still yeah, getting get on the roof. There and, but they fall into the snow. And, and then people wouldn't find, find them? Find them and then they, they'd thaw oh, in, the, no. in the spring. Yeah. And, oh, no. And be these, but, you know, living alone and, yeah. So that's that's kind of a dark story. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just trying to drive home the magnitude of I, I didn't know it could snow that much. Yeah, I, I just recently uh, found out about how much it snowed in Sendai, kind of in preparation for this, learning more about your mission. Oh. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize that it snowed, snows there more than anywhere else yeah. in the world. It's surreal. It's, 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 it's really an amazing thing to see. Just, it's like you're permanently in some kind of a ice castle or something like that. They make really cool, like... Um, I think that's it's in Sendai where they make giant ice castles and snow castles and stuff, right? Oh yeah, the where is um, that in more in Sapporo? I think that they do I know that. Sapporo does that, and I think Aomori does that as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was, I was never in those areas mm. when I was serving, so unfortunately, I never got to see those. But um, let's circle back a little bit to give you an opportunity to talk more about a top the topic that you're super interested in, which is your profession. And mm-hmm. what did you get a PhD in? Uh, so technically, I got it in physiology and pharmacology, but uh, my most of my papers that I published in were in uh, molecular biology. Okay. And what that is, is it's basically manipulation of the genome mm. in some way. So basically what I would do is I'd use um, this technology called CRISPR. Yeah, I've heard of CRISPR. Where you go in and you edit genes. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is, is I would knock out a gene in a cell line, mm-hmm. and then I would um, replace it with like a fluorescent tag, so I would know it was successful. It's like, hey, these cells are growing; oh. it's successful. And then I would basically figure out what I broke. Interesting. So my 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 big paper that ended up being on the cover of this this, this journal for a month was um, this gene called Aster B. Basically, I discovered a, a cholesterol transporter into the mitochondria. Wow. So. Now, and the reason why that's important is that's where uh, steroidogenesis takes place, so where all your hormones and things. Mm-hmm. Cholesterol is the precursor to most of your hormones. Yeah. So like um, testosterone, estrogen, all that. And, and so, there's different types of the because there's two major types of cholesterol, right? There's LDL and HDL. Mm-hmm. Is it depend on that type of cholesterol or? Um, no, that's mostly the carrier. Oh, okay. uh, cholesterol is just this. Uh, the, the molecular formula of cholesterol is pretty much the same, but uh, it's. It's basically like what attaches to it and what modifies it. Mm. But yeah, the reason why that yeah, the reason why that's important is because yeah, if you could figure out a way to mimic that gene, um, you could basically like manipulate somebody who's having hormone problems or something mm. like that. And so yeah, it's uh, it's I, I did I did what's called it's kind of like basic science. The reason why it's called basic is it's not really necessarily 
applicable. Like I wasn't doing a clinical trial or anything like that. I was basically just discovering what the gene does. Oh, so it's not an insult to call it basic science. <laughs> no, like, no. Like, oh, that's so basic. It's so basic. <laughs> no, it's very ground level. It's, it's stuff that ends up in textbooks, but not in like a, a drug discovery. Oh, or something. okay. Yeah, yeah. Eventually it would, but it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't a clinical trial or anything like that. I didn't do uh, that on the mice. I did do some mice work separately for another paper, but. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about how CRISPR actually works. Like genes are so microscopically small. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what kind of machine can actually splice up a gene and change it. Yeah. So it's actually uh, surprisingly simple. So um, I'll I'll give you the shortened version. But basically, uh, they discovered it in bacteria. So bacteria, the number one predator of them is actually viruses. Okay, yeah. And so I don't know. Viruses are even smaller than bacteria. Right, right. So I don't know if you're familiar with how a lot of these viruses work, but basically they insert themselves Mm -hmm. into your code and and hijack your machinery, right? Mm -hmm. And so bacteria developed a defense against that, which Mm. is CRISPR, where if the virus gets inside them, they can cut that out. And the way they do that is with a a line of code code called a guide RNA, where basically it's like, hey, that's foreign bad code. Mm. Let's remember that. And then when it they try and insert themselves into me, I can cut that out. Mm, I'm going back to my microbiology (laughs) class back in uh, college and high school. But basically um, how it works is, is, so what I would do is I would design these guide RNAs where it's basically a matching code. Okay. So if you have, let's say the code for black hair or something. Okay. And And how, how long is that code typically? Is it? So um, genes vary quite a bit, but Mm. you actually only need to knock out um, two or three sections of it for it not to transcribe and translate. Because if you knock out certain sections, it can't create the entire code for it to work. Mm. So I would knock it out in like three or four different places, and usually that would be enough to silence the gene. Okay. So um, basically I would, yeah, so I'd have about three or four, they're called plasmids, and I would um, put them into the cells and then... What, what it does is it basically it basically floats to where it needs to go mm. and it lines up to that code and once it lines up just right those molecular scissors come out and they start cutting oh wow so and so, it uses it you've hijacked the viruses hijacking technology yeah to, to the, do that yeah the 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 bacteria technology where um it would or the bacteria yeah technology, right and me. so it when it it basically is like if if it can find that code it, yeah. it'll it'll cut it out Oh wow! So That's yeah, it's so like, cool. You know, it's like a string of like thirty nucleotides or something like that. But you know, using ATCs using natural bacteria defenses for science. Yeah, that's no, so it, cool. No, you'd be surprised. Almost everything is hijacked from some other <laughs> yeah. repurposed some other creature. Yeah, it's really hard to create anything from scratch. But uh, yeah, no, that was my that was my jam. I did a lot of CRISPR knockouts. I probably knocked out genes. Probably knocked out about thirty different genes. Yeah. Wow. And I would basically just go to work. I'd be like, okay, this has this sequence in it, so it probably does this. Mm. So let's do a bunch of experiments and see if I'm right. And you did that as a PhD student, or had you already gotten your doctorate degree? I, uh, I did that as a PhD student. As a PhD student. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, that was in Texas, correct? Yeah, uh, University of Texas uh, Health, San Antonio. And that's where you met your wife as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Circling it all together. <laughs> it's all coming together, yeah. Um, and since you've been married and uh, got your PhD, 
right after that? Is that when you moved back to Utah or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. My, uh, my friend was starting a, a company and this, this Phi company and he's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to run this with me? And it was actually kind of a hard decision because I, I did get some, some offers at some really good schools mm-hmm. and, uh, to do a research fellowship. Okay. And I was like, you know, this is pretty good. But, uh, a lot of these schools, even the most elite ones, um, they only would pay like 50 to 60 K starting as like a postdoctoral research fellow. Mm. And so I was like, well, I want to do that, but I've got a family. And so, um, and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur as well. And so I ended up uh, doing this business. And the goal with this business is to basically make a bunch of money so good. that um, that's good. <laughs> so that uh, I can go back to doing a lot of this CRISPR gene editing, yeah, f- fooling with things that I probably shouldn't be fooling with. Um, it's going to be like Gattaca manipulating <laughs> life, yeah. Because you know we're just scratching the surface with a lot of this stuff, and you know you could cure all sorts of crazy diseases yeah. with this because talking a little bit about that sorry to to no, it's ahead. it's not changing the subject really but it's um how we're using it for my family so we're we're going through a trial right now of uh we've been trying to have children for a long time mm-hmm. and right now my uh sister-in-law annie she's offered to be a gestational carrier for us oh so wow we're, so we're kind of in the process of uh, doing IVF to create embryos and then we'll have to transfer those to Annie and, oh, yes. and then, um, but part of that process is they'll take, uh, all the embryos that are created and then they'll take them to a lab and then they'll check the gene sequencing of it to mm-hmm. check for several things. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, trisomy, I can't remember what the Tri- trisomy 21. 21 yeah. 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 No, they'll check trisomy for all 18. the different, uh, different, um, mutations yeah. and then they pick the one that doesn't have those and then yeah exactly yeah, yeah so um technically speaking at that point could they use CRISPR to like we're gonna give this child the ability to grow seven feet tall you or, sure could oh yeah so and, that so uh, it gets a little bit in the ethics yeah uh, domain, no, the, a little scary. Uh, the Chinese did it it's already been done really yeah the uh, it was one researcher uh he since disappeared no one knows oh, where he quote went, unquote disappeared. But, um, okay. Yeah, I, he disappeared or was disappeared. was disappeared. I, I haven't followed it lately. I don't know if he's resurfaced anywhere, but uh, no, he made a designer baby. There's a there's I don't know how much time we have. I'll I'll, I'll give the shortened version of the okay. story. But um, basically, there's a certain subset of the population who's immune to HIV. Oh, really? It actually happens to be the people who were survivors of the Black Plague. Oh. So the same people who resist the Black Plague. But that was like resist HIV. 500 years ago. Yeah, but the genes are still kicking around. And they Pretty have amazing, been able to right? trace that? Or mm-hmm. did they, it's like, one, it's one we're going to most... give you the Black Plague and see what happens? <laughs> no, it's one of the most uh, interesting epidemiological studies ever. Oh, like, I'll have to they, check they, it they out. Traced it back. To check it out like yeah, that. there was this guy, um, um, all his friends were dying of AIDS, and it's like, uh, they should have taken me a long time ago. I'm fine. But, but... Uh, you know, they, they figured it out that uh, it was the same gene that uh, resists AIDS, also resists the Black Plague. Oh, wow. Anyway, the point of this was uh, there were some children who were going to be born to a woman with HIV, mm. and he was like, well, let's, uh, you know, the uh, I'm not exactly sure the exact rate of transmission on, ch- on parents with HIV having children. I, I think it's pretty low. So he didn't have to do this, uh, but I think he did it just because, um, you know, 
it's a good way to justify doing it. Mm. And uh, yeah, he gave them that mutation that resists HIV. Mm. So it, unfortunately, it actually does weaken your immune system a little bit for other things. It has to do with your um, CD4 cells, your T cell receptors. Basically, the docking point gets mutated. And so more HIV, stuff can fit. HIV in there can't or, dock on that, but, other but you need that could. receptor for other things. Oh. And so, um, anyway, no. Yeah. It's, and CRISPR is not that hard. So, but there's, there's ethical concerns behind it. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's something called off target effects. What that basically means. So remember how I told you it finds the code and mm -hmm. starts cutting. Yeah. Well, sometimes it can find code that it's not supposed to. Oh. So let's say it's Start only, cutting things. Yeah. Let's say it's only an 80% match. Sometimes it'll stick to that 80% match and uh. start cutting. Oh. And you don't want it to just start cutting. So it's, not just, who knows. It's, so it's not just about designer babies and, and positive outcomes. It could also have There's some pretty serious ethical well. concerns. Oh. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and it's, it's altered forever, right? It's mm -hmm. something called the germline where once it's altered, like the kids will have it altered. And their, so kids, and their kids. Their yeah, kids. So it's done. Interesting. It's not like where, whereas if you do it in an adult, like you can edit and do all this stuff, but it won't affect the germline. The germline. I haven't heard that term. That's yeah, interesting. It's I get that the though. Reproduction. Yeah. Yeah. Your children are the seed that gets yeah. passed on. But if you thing. do it in the embryonic stage, then it's forever. Yeah. And their children. So even for us at this stage, where where we would send off some embryos to be tested, it does feel a little weird that we can, from that, we can a choose the gender, mm -hmm. and b make sure that. You know, we, we wouldn't have a, a child that has a, some severe mutation, mutations. Something, yeah. You know? Yeah, so it's pretty it, common these days, yeah. It feels a bit weird that we can do that, but, uh, yeah, we we have an idea of the gender of child that we would want wow, to, yeah. to have. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of make decisions about that. But um, I want to thank you so much for spending some time uh, with me for this podcast has you shared some great memories and told us some really interesting things about CRISPR, about um, your research and about your company. Is there anything else you kind of want to uh, share or, or talk about? Um, I think, I think we've had a, had a good discussion. No, I just, thanks for doing this. You're the man. I'm, I'm so excited to, I mean, honestly, that story you told about Robert and about Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Here's a good sport about it. He, uh, I think he came over and threw a bunch of mud at our house. Later. So I, I think, I think, I think we're even. Those are the type of stories that I'm really hoping to find oh, through this I, podcast. I, okay. Just laugh out loud, hilarious. Yeah. Do you have any other stories like that that you can think of before we end? Oh boy, um, I don't think I, I. I left my cousins alone for the most part. So. Uh, uh, those ones specifically, I'd have to do some thinking. You'll, you'll have to do. Um, the, the second season of this. The second I'll, season of follow up, up podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, lastly, I'm going to do my own little plug uh, just as a reminder. Yeah, if you would like to donate Project Baby Anderson, it's for Sarah and I to, to help mm, pay for costs. That's great. Yeah. Um, feel free to, to reach out. Uh, our, uh, on email, it's my99cousins at gmail.com. Send you more information about that. But JP, thanks again for joining me for this podcast. Next week, I'm actually going to be interviewing uh, Daniel Andelin, so Nathan's oh, younger brother. Yeah. yeah so All right, thanks, Jimmy. Thank you.